Welcome to episode number 217, An Epidemic of Perfectionism. I'm your host, Damon Soka. Now, I hope that you will find my message today helpful to you. If you do, would you please pass it along to someone else? The best way to help others is to help them find hope again. And I hope that this message will help them to find that hope. Now, there's a social crisis throughout the world as we have entered this digital age. We are becoming a society of perfectionists. Our access to information, societal trends, athletic and academic achievements, and all sorts of perfectionist behavior is causing an epidemic of serious proportions. There exists no area of our lives that it does not touch or affect. Perfect hair, perfect skin, perfect body, perfect home, perfect education, perfect athletic accomplishments are just a beginning to the perfectionism. Even our spiritual havens have been bombarded with the idea that we need to have a perfect marriage, a perfect relationship, a perfect family, do perfect service, and have perfect spirituality. We're bombarded by messages that we need to eat better, exercise better, feel better, look better, love better, and overcome those mortal failings. If we don't, then we are failing ourselves. We see perfection everywhere we look and find ourselves consistently at the door of failure, knocking again, hoping this time that door will be different. But the door always opens, and we find that our consistent effort has only brought exhaustion, guilt, and serious levels of anxiety. Anxiety and perfectionism are perfect companions. If you have serious anxiety, you likely have a serious perfectionism problem. And yet, if you have a serious perfectionism problem, you are likely to have serious anxiety. It is no wonder that we are seeing an epidemic of monumental proportions among the youth, young adults, and families. Youth are seeing anxiety at almost double the rates previously known. Young adults are seeing a substantial increase, and even among the middle-aged and older, there are signs that a perfectionist way of life is invading our happiness and joy. I don't think that it's news to anyone who suffers with anxiety or perfectionism. Perfectionism is one of Lucifer's oldest tactics, and he has employed it since the dawn of man. The problem we have now is that information is far more available to a host of individuals that at previous times have been sheltered from its abuses. Now, there exists nothing wrong with information and sharing that information. Sharing of information does not necessarily lead to anxiety and the pursuit of a perfectionist lifestyle. What does lead to anxiety and perfection comparison is a society obsessed with comparison and classes. Perfectionism requires standards to be set and definition to be refined. When those standards are set by individuals who live without God, or even a permissive God, then perfection becomes glossy, flashy, and outward in its appearance. Now, the Book of Mormon refers to perfectionism as individuals who define life by clothing, buildings, power, and worldly treasures. Perfectionists create classes of perfection and then dare or compare others to compare themselves. For instance, beauty can be defined in many ways, but it tends to be defined by the shape of a body, color of hair, skin tone, age, and a variety of outward measures. And yet, beauty as defined by the Lord does not seem to take into account many of these type of outward measures, but more inward measures of obedience, love, devotion, compassion, and empathy. Now, one thing Lucifer knows about mortals and consistently uses it to his advantage is that we will compare. Our mind is actually set up to compare. Our mind naturally compares everything we see, feel, eat, hear, and smell. We are consistently saying things that say such as, this looks like, this smells like, that tastes like, 
the world we live in is set up this way, and so are we naturally. We naturally compare ourselves to others and to standards set in a variety of ways. Now, every culture has a set of standards for behavior, for dress, for what is acceptable behavior, and within those cultures, we have what might be called microcultures, where the same standards are redefined for us. Now, this is especially true within the church culture. One could consider the church a microculture within larger social constructs or cultures. Now, there is nothing wrong with standards being set within a culture or within a microculture. This is how we learn to interact with one another. There are social rules of the road. The problem arises when those standards are based on meaningless principles such as height, weight, hair color, body shape, size, money, home, size, power, positions, and so forth. The greater a problem arises when those standards rise to a level of perfection. So often, a, an outward perfection standard is impossible for 99.9% .9 of the people to attain. However, those who hold up that standard spread it abroad as though everyone can attain it, and it's easy to do if you have better tools, better work ethic, better discipline, and so forth. Always a better something. The real problem is that most of those outward measures have little to no value or meaning, and the perfection they propagate really provides no real happiness or joy. The only thing they really do is divide into individuals into classes or groups. And yet, it is difficult not to buy into the rhetoric of the system. We even have one of those same systems within the church. Now, I don't think that we do it purposely, or at least the majority of us, and yet we hold standards and expect everyone will buy into them. We hold a standard of what a perfect family is, what a perfect member is, what a perfect leader is, what a perfect ward is, and the list goes on and on. One of the most destructive things we do as members is create a world of happiness perfection. If you are living the gospel like you should, then your life should be perfect, and you should be happy and joyful. So if your life isn't perfectly happy or joyful all the time, then, well, you aren't living the gospel in the right way. The problem with this happiness perfection is that it takes what is true and morphs it into an impossible view of life and the gospel. The truth is that if you aren't living the gospel, then you probably have some unhappiness in your life due to your decisions. That is probably actually true. Sin does not bring happiness. But what we have done is taken that truth to the extreme and we say just the opposite. If you aren't happy, then you aren't living the gospel. That is actually not true in many circumstances. In fact, most circumstances. You can struggle through a variety of trials and really not be content, at peace, or possibly even happy. At least the definition of happiness that has been created. We often create a happiness perfection by insinuating or even openly suggesting that we should be happy, at peace, and content all the time. I think that we see our Father in Heaven in this way. He doesn't have any trials, pains, sufferings, or problems, so He's happy. We also suggest it by the manner in which we attend church. We all attempt to paint the picture that life is humming along just like it should, and we are very happy with our situation, trials, sufferings, and our personal difficulties. We see, as, we see happiness as a destination, a life without interruptions, trials, problems, sufferings, and really without serious concerns. We see bountiful as happiness. Bountiful being the place where Lehi and his family arrived after a long, arduous journey. Bountiful was full of fruits, water, and easy living, where the trials of days past have long since faded in our minds. And so we consistently see bountiful 
And like Layman and Lemuel say, we will be happy when life gives us grapes and melons rather than raw meat. And so we end up aspiring to this falsified happiness. We give in to the notion that happiness can be found once we are married, once we have children, once we are retired, once we become bishop, once we have a career. The problem with perfectionist happiness is that it never arrives. And that is because we have defined happiness in a way that is not possible to attain. Bountiful did not create the happiness. The journey to Bountiful did. But because our mind is set up to compare our happiness, becomes a perfection comparison. We compare our bountiful to another's bountiful. We see individuals who appear happy and content outwardly, and we make assumptions about their happiness and their perfection that are frankly untrue and often really skewed. This comparison, and the many others that come with living in a social arrangement, cause our minds to feel anxious about our lack of happiness or the ways in which we don't measure up. When this occurs, our mistakes become magnified, and we fear that our mistakes will be seen as not measuring up to the perfection status. We feign happiness because unhappiness means that we aren't living the gospel. We aren't in the path of perfection. We are seeing happiness as a destination rather than an emotion that lives within the journey. Happiness and joy are not necessarily found in Bountiful. Yes, a good rest after a long journey feels good, but that really isn't true happiness. True happiness is a spiritual emotion that comes when we are working to live the gospel, working to follow a true path with the Savior. Happiness is knowing that we are working in that path. We will not be perfect, and we are not going to be perfected until the next life. Happiness is found, or joy, is actually found in the struggle, and working through that struggle with a perfected being who loves and cares for us deeply. The epidemic we face isn't really social media, although I admit that social media can feed improper views of happiness as a destination. It is that perfection and happiness that come with it are seen as a destination, not as part of the journey. This idea of happiness only coming through perfection causes great anxiety, and I admit that I have struggled my entire life to rid myself of this idea, to see happiness or joy in the journey rather than in the destination. And I admit that I have certainly thought it, thought even in the recent past, I will be happier when my illness has abated. I will be happier when life isn't so difficult and busy. I will be happier when. So often we search for happiness where it can't be found and then find disillusionment, only to turn around and seek the perfection destination somewhere else. There is no greater happiness to be found than when we are trying to live the gospel and working with the Lord. He is really the source of the spiritual happiness, that spiritual emotion of happiness we seek. Now, I admit that my issues and struggles with serious anxiety have often left me on the outside of that happiness. Anxiety seems to disrupt our ability to feel happiness in the journey. It robs us of the ability to feel the Lord even when we are struggling to work through our trials with Him. It makes the trials seem all that much more difficult. Anxiety causes us to see perfection as a destination rather than part of the journey. We feel a mistake, a misstep, and we will be left out of the perfection and the happiness that supposedly comes with that destination. Anxiety is often the greater problem to our happiness, and yet our entire society, including within the church, creates great anxiety to occur. We are consistently being reminded of the destination of perfection rather than the journey of perfection. The Lord simply requires us to make covenants 
and then to say, no matter what, I will endure to keep them. I am simply not going to give up, no matter what. So often when we see perfection as, the, as a destination, we run too fast and overreach our capacity to find it. As if we don't hurry and catch up, it's going to leave us behind. Perfectionists are always running to a destination, rather than finding joy in that journey. I know, because I have fought this tendency nearly all my life. When one has serious anxiety, whatever the cause, perfectionism almost always comes with it. My own personal concerns with anxiety mostly come from genetics, but my perfectionism comes from the anxiety. And so I fight it every day of my life. Now, I admit that I have succeeded in some ways, and in other ways I have not. But I continue to fight, and ultimately that is what matters to the Lord, and where I actually do find joy. So my personal goal has not been to, has been to not see happiness as a destination, or such as when I am healed, or when I am not in pain, or when I am resurrected. I have worked over the last many years to see happiness as really part of the process, as spiritual communication with the Savior and the Father. I have attempted and worked to find a greater trust in the Savior, and for someone with serious anxiety, that can be very difficult. But perhaps that is the real journey for me. Maybe my anxiety is part of the process of finding that joy. Maybe I have been given such a weakness so that I might overcome my fixation with the destination and really enjoy the journey. No matter my concerns, I really hope with all my heart that my struggling and my ramblings today have helped you in some way to better understand your own concerns and work better with your own anxieties and that perfectionism that no doubt comes with it. May the Lord bless you to see joy in the journey and not necessarily in the destination. Until next week, do your part and never give up. And I promise that the Lord will do His.